Great is the Lord, we cry. God, let your kingdom come. Your word has let me see. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Do take a seat. So, I think it was last Saturday. I was at home. And it was one of those rare days in the holiday when there was no children in the house. It was just me, so I was happy. I had the house to myself. I can get with my housework, maybe watch something on Netflix. Um, and then, in the middle of me playing something on my Xbox, yes, I'm 38 and I have an Xbox One and I play it, um, psh, everything went dead. In 2018, we had a power cut. And so, I thought, okay, this is going to come on. I mean, if I fiddle around with the fuses, it wasn't the fuses. I could see people walking up and down the street, starting to busy themselves, sort of suddenly neighbours started talking to each other that have probably never spoken to each other or not since the last power cut. And we all established that there was a power cut and there was something wrong. And then we could see some builders digging something in, doing something up the road. One of my neighbours, who's the sort of resident neighbourhood watch that nobody signed up to, went up and asked, and asked what's happening. He said it's going to be a few hours. So I thought, okay, fine, no electricity. So I went in the house, I thought, okay, I'm going to do some dishes. But I've got a combination boiler, so I had no hot water. So I said, okay, I'm going to heat up my lunch. No microwave. I thought, okay, I'll pull it in the oven, I'll go old school. No, it's an electric fan-powered oven. So I thought, okay, I'm going to watch something on my phone. I looked at my phone, 12% battery. I thought, no, I need this for about five hours. Can't watch anything on my phone. I thought, okay, let me go and clean my skin. Let me go and have a shower, electric shower. So I thought, okay, no, 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 no. They're not going to beat me. I started to go, I started to go into conspiracy theory mode now. And I, I said, these electricity people are not going to win. I'm going to do some hoovering. Because a couple of weeks ago, I bought myself a new hoover. I was really excited for it to be delivered. I'm at that sad stage in life where you get excited over hoovers. And it's a cordless hoover. And I thought, they're not going to beat me because I've got a cordless hoover. I can hoover with no electricity. But I didn't put it to charge the last time I used it. <laughs> so the hoover was dead. And so I poured myself a glass of red wine. And I'm not saying this because I'm preaching this morning, but I poured myself a glass of red wine. And I, I, my Bible sort of sits on my little white table on top of which, which my Xbox is underneath. There's some irony there. And picked up my Bible and I started reading. And this, it all got me thinking, like, why am I not this reliant? I was reliant on electricity. It was really evident that electricity runs my life. But why am I not that reliant and lost without God's word? I don't know. It just got me thinking. And I guess I said, I said that as an introduction to my sermon, to get you all thinking. Switch off your electricity. Spend time reading God's word. That's sort of a joke. Um, this morning, over the next 50 minutes or so, we're going to be, that's a joke as well, we're going to be looking at a story in Luke's gospel about a stranger and two friends. But before that, shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the privilege of being able to spend time here together this morning, being in your presence, singing your praises. Lord, as we read and as we proclaimed, your word is a lamp to our feet. May we be brought closer to you as we read from your life-giving word. Open our hearts and clear our minds. Let us hear from you, our loving, precious Saviour and Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So, Pew Bible time, Luke 24, 13 to 35, and it's on page 96. And this is that awkward time when I go silent and let you... Keith's trying to say something to me. I don't know what it is, but it's fine. Yeah, okay. So it's page 96, 
Luke 24, 13 to 35, the road to Emmaus. Ah, I missed the page number off your screen, apologies. So I'm going to read, it's a pretty long um, chunk of Luke, so I'm going to not speed read through it, but I'm going to go pretty quickly, so hopefully you'll be able to keep keep up, if not you'll be able to catch up. So now on that same day, two of them will go into a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all the things, all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have taken place there in these days? And so he asked them, what things? And they replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took bread, broke it, blessed, and... Sorry, start again. He took bread blessed and broke it and gave it to them then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight they said to each other were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road while he was opening the scriptures to us and at same hour they got up and returned to jerusalem and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together they were saying the lord has risen indeed and he has appeared to simon and they told what had happened on, this, on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the amazing word of the Lord. So what's going on here? Let's set the scene a little. To start with, who were these disciples? We know one of them were called Cleopas from verse 18. In John's Gospel at 19.25 we read, Now there's... Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. So if this is right, we can assume that Cleopas is Jesus' aunt-in-law, I think. Um, Whoever they were, we can assume that the two people were probably related. Because in verse 29, they urged Jesus to stay with us. But the most important factor is that we know they would have been disciples of Jesus. And for them, this had been the week from hell. 
Their whole world as we know it had been turned upside down. It had been blown apart. Their promised Messiah had been killed on a cross and buried. And they'd probably witnessed him being beaten, being spat on, insulted, and ultimately suffer that cruel death on the cross. The light of the world for them and for us at that time had been blown out forever. But then they heard, had heard these ladies speaking about them, finding the tomb empty, and angels telling them that Jesus had risen from the dead. So you'd think that with this, they'd be really encouraged by this news, because I know if it was me at that time, I would have been pretty encouraged. But instead, they just can't get their heads around it. And the more I think about it, the more their reluctance kind of makes sense, because back then, the dead didn't really just come back to life. So they probably might have thought they imagined it or it was a bit of a fairy story that was trying to make up to keep people happy. Who knows? But anyway, they're walking along this road and a stranger, inverted commas, stranger, walks up to them and casually starts chatting to them about what they were talking about. And I mean, in Tottenham, I couldn't actually really imagine that. Somebody just walking up alongside me and Jaden and just sort of egging up themselves into our conversation and asking what we're talking about. Yeah, I don't know how that would go, to be honest. But I mean, let's think about this. Jesus, he's on this road that leads to some village outside of Jerusalem. And Jesus starts to teach these two people the true meaning about all the scriptures that concern them. I mean, this is literally the best small group Bible study ever. Jesus himself is opening up the Bible to these disciples. And we don't know why they didn't recognize Jesus. But I very much doubt it was because he looked different. Other people who saw him recognized him straight away. And, we, and the word, and we read in Luke, he, they were kept from recognizing him. So I think probably there's something sort of supernatural going on here. And when we look at Cleopas', Cleopas reply to Jesus, asking about what things, we can see disappointment and we can see doubt and we can see um, discouragement. And remember, to the Jewish people of the time, their promised Messiah was going to be this big warrior. He's going to be a majestic king who's going to be reigning on high with power and splendor. And in Jesus, perceivably, they had a fallen, dead, now vanished prophet. Powerful in word and deed. But notice there's no mention of Jesus being the Messiah when Cleopas is, is trying to illustrate that Jesus to this stranger. And so Jesus rebukes them nicely. And he begins to show them exactly what the scriptures say about him. And something already was stirring inside of them because while this was happening, we, and we learned later that their hearts were burning within them when he was talking to them. They asked this stranger then to stay with them for the night. And while they were eating the evening meal, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And it was, and does that sound familiar? It was at this point that something suddenly clicked. It was their master. He was raised from the dead to life. And he'd been with them all this time, from the road to their house until the breaking of the bread. He'd ministered to them in their weakness and in their sadness. And, you know, they kind of experienced something of the grace of God in that moment. Because on that road, in their time of despair and sadness, Jesus met with his disciples. He revealed himself to them through his word and through the breaking of bread. Could you imagine how excited they felt? Remember, they said 
to Jesus to stay with them because it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So by this time, it would have been dark. They wouldn't have had electric streetlights, especially if there was a power cut. The journey back to Jerusalem would have been potentially pretty dangerous. But despite this, they felt so moved by this whole experience that they had to get back to the disciples ASAP and share with them all that they had witnessed. So why were these disciples on this road going to Emmaus? Everyone else, it seems, was back in Jerusalem because we read at the end of the passage, they went back to, the, to tell the eleven and those that were with them. So I think in truth, they had to, I don't know, have been going probably in the wrong direction. If everybody else was in Jerusalem, they were going away from where they should have been and they'd pretty much given up. And when I've read these passages before, especially late last year, it really got me thinking about my life, if I'm honest. What direction am I going in? Am I going in the right direction? Am I going in the direction that God wants me to go in? And when I look back over my life, especially since I began this journey with God that started on St. Anne's website, that's another story, 12 years ago, um, you know, I'd, I'd been taking the wrong turns, even after becoming a Christian, traveling down roads that were taking me away from God. And, and isn't that sometimes the sad reality of our Christian life? You know, it's so easy to make poor decisions which take us away from God, decisions that lead us sometimes into temptation or we let this world and everybody in it and everything, in, everything around us sort of distract us. And the result is us feeling like we're far away from God. And some of you here this morning might be able to relate to this. You might have been there. You might be there right now. But I guess I want to give you some reassurance. What we learn in this passage is that even though these disciples were walking along the road to Emmaus, heading in the wrong direction, feeling downcast and sad and maybe even let down and alone, Jesus was there, and he was walking alongside them. The disciples, they were transformed by their encounter with the risen Jesus. And as soon as they recognized Jesus, they were so overjoyed that straight away they went back to Jerusalem to share this wonderful news with the other disciples. And how excited are you here this morning? Here's a little heart challenge. To go and tell other people the good news of Jesus. I'm not expecting you to run to the seat of London or anything like that. I just thought I'd put that question out there. The disciples didn't recognize who Jesus was. Even when he opened the scriptures to them, it wasn't until they had a personal encounter with Jesus, seeing him breaking the bread and giving thanks and serving them, they realized just who this guest was. What stops us from recognizing Jesus at times? What keeps our hearts from burning within us when we read all the things concerning Jesus in the scriptures? And I guess our prayer, you know, and our hope in the team, like when we were planning this teaching series, that over the next eight weeks, just like these disciples, that we will all have a fresh encounter with God and his word. You know, that we'll meet with Jesus again while we begin with Moses and dive into all the scriptures that concern him. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for the gospel, for the good news, for your son and the salvation we have in him and only through him. And we thank you that at the heart of what we do and who we are here at St. Anne's is this life-changing good news. 
that despite our failures, our fears, our sins, our shortcomings, through that sacrifice of your son, we are saved. And Lord, as we open up your scriptures together over these coming weeks, set our hearts on fire, stir up that same burning passion for your word within us that the disciples experienced. A burning passion for you and for your son. Lord, meet with us as we seek you. Father, when we find ourselves in that place where we're feeling alone and feeling down and despondent and disappointed with life, Lord, thank you that you are still there walking alongside us. In your precious holy name we pray. Amen.